Welcome to another edition of UCBS On Times Live. There is a lot that is happening on the political front in South Africa. And that's not surprising because we have an incredible array of issues that we need to solve for. But in addition to that, the hegemonic powers of the governing ANC is, I think, being dislodged. And I think we've seen that in the aftermath of how the electoral numbers had played out after the local government elections. And I don't think you need to be a Sangoma to predict that similarly, we probably are going to see very interesting permutations provincially and nationally after the next election. But what it also means in parallel with those big picture movements is that the individual career paths of politicians are also changing because the stakes are high within each of their political parties. And when you are a career politician, you've got to ask yourself questions such as, where do I fit in? What is my place in the political landscape? But also, might it be the case that I should begin to think about life outside of politics while still remaining an active citizen contributing towards a South Africa that is experiencing a myriad of different crises. Now, one politician has been in the news for many years as an excellent role model of how to be a a young South African who decides to get their hands dirty and get involved in politics. And in his case, as we all know, um, having a good word cloud association with what had happened in Midvald at a municipality that he had been in charge of for many years is, of course, Bongani Baloy. Now, his career has been very interesting because you could be a young South African disincentivized by the nature of politics and decide to leave because of the internal machinations of be it the Democratic Alliance or the Action SA. And you think that you have found yourself a new political home, but it comes with new challenges. And an interesting question over the last two weeks has been, well, what next for Bongani Baloy? And he has decided not to take up a bunch of tours on Twitter, but rather to be quietly thinking about what his next move will be. And that's exactly one of the main news items of the day. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people zone, their children must know this are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Well, honey, thank you so much for speaking to us on Times Life. I always do appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Bongani, the last time you and I chatted, you were very clear that you were not going to get involved in Indonesian spats with your former political colleagues and that rather you were going to take your time before you announce what it is that you might do next. Now, it's a very difficult situation to be in because the political arena in South Africa is fast-paced and fast-moving. Many of your former colleagues from the DA, for example, who are peer mates of yourself, I'm thinking of the likes of 
Mbalintuli, for example, had decided entirely to forego an opportunity to immediately remain involved in formal politics. Lindywe Mazibuko runs an excellent outfit that focuses in an apolitical way to try and do her bit to train the next generation of civil servants to be apolitical, but to be excellent from an administrative point of view. I think a good starting point is really from first principles, as we might say. How did you as a leader even begin to think about the next steps before we talk about it? Look, for, for me, it was important firstly to manage my exit from XSA and, and try and do it in, in the most uh, um, um, responsible manner because I really believe that it's leaders must outlast institutions. So even when you move and go elsewhere as a leader, it's important to take you care to the institution. Because my issue was not about action SA per se, but what had transpired between myself and the leader and in the manner that he had led the conversation, which opened my eyes to the reality before me that clearly I'm no longer a, a person who is appreciated or valued or is contribution valued in the party. And uh, I mean, this is me choosing how I use my agency towards something. For me, it's not about money, it's about me contributing something of value towards South Africa and towards uh, a legacy that you're trying to build and improve in South Africa. So once you find yourself in a space where that becomes untenable, as I was told that our relationship has now become untenable, it was quite clear what was actually being said to me, very sugar-coated and that. So it was clear for me to brief South Africans about what has transpired according to, to, to my view, uh, my truth, and, and, and allow um, um, the action essays leaders to also share their views and leave it to South Africans to decide. So for me, it was quite clear. And, and what made things even clearer for me was a simple fact that my belief has always been looking at political parties as vehicles towards something and vehicles which I always saw that one could come onto that vehicle, implement change, and start showing a different vision, at least articulating something different, at least for people who majority, in majority are people like me, who can actually see themselves in me and want to get involved and contribute as well. And, and it's quite clear to me that the only way to change the fortunes of South Africa is directly through politics. So, so I've thought about a role outside of politics, I thought about a role in public service directly and utilizing my knowledge of municipalities and governing and what I did to assist others. But that does not change the politics of, of the country, doesn't change the outlook of the country at all. And I think it's important for young people to, to be in the center of what is going to happen in 2024. And when you look across the board, there's no party that says, apart from the EFF to a great extent, that we are about the issues of young people specifically. So if you listen to, I mean, the past papers just listening to different uh, political analysts on TV, giving various permutations about the future in the country. And the main role players, as they say in the township, the main steerings is Helen Zele, Herman Mashaba, Corne <laughs> um, maybe Julius Malema, Paul Mashadile, and Cyril Ramaphosa. Those are the people who are told that will be sitting around the dinner table discussing the future of the country. And I felt to myself, something is wrong here. Someone has to intervene immediately to try and disrupt that and force a new conversation to be had and new permutations to be had, which center around what is in the interest of the country and specifically what is in the interest of young people. I want to come to that immediately because that's the most important part of this 20-minute conversation that you have um, so generously granted me despite a very busy day today. I just wanted to, for sake of hygiene, tie a bow around one element of your immediate past. Now, one person I've always thought 
has intuitively a great amount of integrity, and I mean that sincerely, is Michael Bowman, your former colleague. Now, I think Herman Mashaba is a more complex character to make sense of analytically um, as a commentator and as a broadcaster. Um, but Michael, I always feel, gives me sort of straight interviews, as it were. And I put him the question after your exit, uh, Bongani, and I completely appreciated at the time why it was prudent for you to not get involved in a war of words with him or anyone else in the party. But we've got to just, under, you know, sort of like draw a line under this next question. I said to Michael, and I've got the podcast episode to, to go with it, um, put aside Herman, what is interesting about my conversation with Bongani and listening to Bongani at his press conference that he had delivered yesterday, I said to him at the time, is that Bongani suggested that the two of you had gone to the old man's house to go and think through this proposal of potential strategic relationships with at least Gauteng ANC. And in fact, that you were the main actor, and to your point about the staring, that um, Bongani had regarded himself as playing a minor cameo role. And Michael Bowman surprised me with his response because he suggested that your version is not true, that your exit was not fundamentally about uniquely a relationship gone awry with the old man, as it were, um, but rather that, in fact, your version was disingenuous and that even his relationship with you at a political level um, had also been found wanting in the end. Um, just for the record, how do you respond to that? Because I really thought that it was trite, that it's the relationship between you and Herman that was problematic. And that's okay. Even that's okay for the both of you. These personality differences happen. But Michael's response to my question caught me off guard. It's not true. Um, it's not true for the following reasons. I, I had almost um, um, uh, monthly um, meeting with Michael. We met in Rosebank. And we used this meeting to deal with differences between what he believed between me and him. And I recognize that when in action, I say you share a different view, people start seeing you as somebody who does not work well with the rest. And I found it problematic. And I had to explain on numerous times my frustrations with Herman and my disagreement of how Michael wanted to handle the issues. So he always felt that it's important to reserve some opinions on a platform where we're engaging to go and meet with Herman directly and try and persuade him what at least he's going to do that. Now, I did not understand that because when we are in a meeting and we differ, it's important for me to raise my issues there and leave it there on the meeting and just continue with life. I did not recognize or appreciate that there has to be a special relationship to go to someone's house and to try and, and, and persuade them or explain your reasoning for believing in one thing or the other. The second thing, I always address my issue and I decided to, to, to say to Michael, look, I've got an issue with the presidency. I started calling Herman's office the presidency because I saw gap mm -hmm. in the presidency. I often told Michael that Herman does not play well with others. We are a province, there's a PEC. In the beginning of the year, we approve an annual events calendar for the entire year. And we focus our actions and our efforts towards that. And then Herman decides to take invitations directly from branches which don't go through the, the province. So I read, I said to him, because he asked me to meet with Herman to correct him. I said, Herman is the wrong person to meet with. Firstly, in Herman's office, you put someone who's inappropriately capacitated. In fact, does not have the wherewithal to manage such an office. 
there is no national presidential campaign. That frustrates him and because the person who he has put there cannot lead it, they cannot manage his time. Instead, I suggested that Herman's office must give us five days a month so I can take Herman and campaign with the province and then go through the entire province. At least the province will start to feel that this is our president. So then there's an 80% plan, a 20%, he can do whatever he wants. It's then under those circumstances, everyone can just accept it and be supportive of him. Instead, we are colliding. He's moving one direction or moving the other direction. And I said to him, as, as the chairperson of the party, we need to start building the institution. In my view, building the institution means you devolve power from individuals and you give power to structures and you define the scope of their power. And it's important for us to manage better conflicts in the party. So, so, so at least with Michael, I had the opportunity to differ with him and tell him my view. At least let's say with him, I don't believe I had an issue with him. Where me and Michael differed was on how he handles the DA predominantly. And with throat mutations. Mm. And he, he's a person who fights harder for the DA than the DA fights harder for themselves, right? And I saw this because <laughs> I'm in the, uh, the coalition meeting at a national level representing the province. And my observation has always been, why are we... So when you ask the question, you make things uncomfortable. So, so with him, I can still he can claim with the differences politically. I, 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 I disagree. We engage closely. Mm. So, the person who has never given me an opportunity is Hammond. Even in the meeting where the initial meeting with Michael, Ethel, Trollope, and Hammond, Michael did not say a thing. Instead, Michael tried to rescue the situation by saying what Hammond should have said. But when Hammond got there, he, 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 he was true to himself and honest and didn't go for political managing of the situation. So after Hammond spoke and shocked everybody, because I looked at everybody's body language and Michael was red and looking the face down the whole time. The only thing Michael said is that, look, we've got challenges at, uh, at national in terms of communication and we believe that someone with your profile, with your ability to manage issues can speak better. So that's what Hammond- So trying to, try to be more politically dainty. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So that's what Michael said, which Herman should have said. And I differed with that. So even in that process, we, we, we did not go back and forth with, with Michael to a great extent, but we differed. Okay. So, so I appreciate how he comes in. He must insert himself to protect Herman. And, and again, you see, mm-hmm. the, the, the thing he doesn't appreciate is that once you become an institution, there's clear delineation of roles. Even look at now, and one of the things I, I said to him, you do everything in this party at a strategic level. You become the spokesperson on all matters. Lerato is there, but you speak, you're con- the, the person who speaks, and you are more worried than Herman about whether I am tweeting or not tweeting, but not worried. Don't realize that the bulk of my work is to create an ecosystem where there's rule, there's strategic plans, and then I'm managing the human, uh, I mean, the human resources that we have and how we are engaging in growing the party because I appreciate that. The first six months of my time as a provincial chairperson, I must manage their structures once there's the structure, yeah. there's rules of engagement, it's easier to grow from there because then it becomes much more sustainable. They did not even understand why I opted for that. Yeah. Well, I think that's helpful, Mungani. And I want to leave that there. I think that's helpful because I just said to numerous people that I've engaged since then who asked about you mm-hmm. and my view about you is that I said, you know, what's kind of interesting about this is that Herman, like many big individuals in South African politics, we can pop psychologize Herman, but what's kind of interesting is if other colleagues are saying, no, fundamentally, 
Bongani was excited at the prospect of becoming potentially a mayor of Tuane, which is something that Michael re-inscribed into the public space with Ehrman, who's been saying the same. This was an ambitious young man who thinks that he can handle a budget six times bigger than Midval. Then I think you had a duty in terms of your own reputation to really respond to that. And I'm glad that I'm you've taken have, the opportunity to, to have, do so. Yeah, go One last point in that regard, which for me is a strange thing. So, so they cite two cases. They cite, they cite during the negotiations, which Michael led, by the way, with the ANC on Hammond's approval. They, they're running away from that because there's no way when you're in a room and there's a provincial chair and there's a national chair that all the responsibility falls on the provincial chair and all of a sudden the national chairperson is accompanying the provincial chair. It doesn't work this way. I was supporting him. And Herman, I consented, mm. was very excited. But the thing that came out of that conversation is that Herman wanted Johannesburg at all costs. So when Tswane was on the table, then the question was asked, who would then be the better place to do this? Because they, in their words, we don't have any talent in Tswane. Look at the mess that currently exists. And then they were saying, but we've got Bongani here. Are you willing and prepared to do this? And I said, under some conditions. Uh, Dr. Nasip Moya would have to move with me to Tswane. And they also mentioned a number of people from Johannesburg who would have to move with me to assist me there. But the second case I mentioned is what happened in Ekurule, where the caucus leader of Ekurule wrote to me and said the caucus has met. They have assessed the situation in Ekurule where they believe with the latest vote of uh, voting for the speaker after there was a no vote of confidence on the speaker. ANC and EFF appear not to be agreeing with each other, so they see an opportunity that if they throw in a candidate, some members of the ANC, some members of the EFF will vote for this candidate and the candidate might emerge. And they asked me to relay the same message to the National Leadership for Consent. This would have been the third proposal from the caucus, which I had relayed. So then Michael told me that uh, under no circumstances can we put ourselves in a position to benefit from ANC votes specifically. And I said to him, this is the mm -hmm. third proposal that the caucus has asked me, and this will be the third time that I return with a negative response. Could you, in this case, at least speak directly to the caucus leader? When he spoke to the caucus leader, the caucus leader informed me that the first thing Michael said there when he spoke to them about this proposal is, what am I going to do to the funders of this party? So, so, so that conversation then says to me, the main agreement with the funders of the party, whoever they are, is that there will never be a relationship with the ANC. Now, the only way to justify to funders why Bongani is leaving is to say, you see, Bongani was actually an obstacle or a stumbling block for this agreement that we have, that we have agreed to. So, so, so observing what they are saying, it actually makes sense to me that actually a funder is handling this entire thing and they have to prove that Bongani, whom at some stage was an asset, is no longer an asset because he's a pro-ANC person. Meanwhile, that's never the case. Mm, okay. Well, let's talk about the present because what I've liked about your energy redirection is that although I've dragged you to a looking over the shoulder examination in the last 10, 15 minutes of this conversation, the impetus of this interview, of course, is exactly about what today is about yeah. and being future oriented. And I really loved what you said in your first couple of remarks in this conversation that one can focus on building a quality bureaucracy and that's where you can make small, big contributions. An example of that is exactly, as I said earlier, um, what you know a former DA colleague of yours is doing, Lindy, where? Because we need the civil service to be excellent and to be able to survive different uh, 
um, governments and executives that come and go. Ideally, after 100 years of democracy, that's the relationship we want between the government of the day and the bureaucrats of the day. But that's not where we are at. And yet at the same time, implicit in what you've said, which I really agree with and 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 and, and thought an interesting insight, is that the, the, the truth of the matter is where we are at in our democracy currently, Bongani, is that the government of the day has a monopoly on collecting and dispersing taxes, on creating policy, on creating, flowing from that laws and implementing it. And of course, also for Politics 101 completion, a monopoly on the legitimate use of force for that matter. And the reality, therefore, flowing from all of that in turn, is that you've got to remain politically engaged and you can't pretend that you can optimally make a difference in this country by only playing, for example, um, in a civil society organization capacity or alternatively in the private sphere. Why then, and talk my Times Live listeners and readers through it, that you come to the decision of what then the next best thing will be for you in terms of the next part of your career? With having gone through what I've gone through and also firmly believing that I have proved beyond reasonable doubt that young people can lead and must lead in government. So when I reflected on my journey and I assessed what my colleagues in my space were doing at the time, I realized what stood me in good stead was the simple fact that I'm a young person untainted. So I'm tainted in in internal cultures of, of these political parties and how they relate to power and how they relate to patronage, how they relate to money as well. But for me, it was about a simple uh, uh, um, exercise of saying, I'm agitated about what's happening in my community. I want to do something about it, do something about it now. And I'm going to sacrifice the biggest thing I have of value to me, which is my time and my energy and agency at that point in time. So how can I translate that for change in doing something? But that process was a difficult one because I had to deal with internal uh, 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 conflicts internally and not believing in yourself. But you grow from there once you start getting results. Now you, you realize that what you're doing is actually correct and you can inspire and get others more to do the same with you. So my past experience of leadership from Midval and leaving the DA and coming to action and say, and, and, and having the, 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 the incredible position to lead and live on my terms and leave an institution in good standing. Move to another institution and try and add value as much as possible and get the benefit of an institution which is a startup institution from an established institution, getting the two both of both of first world experience for me and realizing that the, 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 the trajectory of the country is moving one direction with a number of people who generally believe in my view that they are the, the, the gatekeepers of South African politics. And, and what do they do and what they need is a vote from young people. So in absence of a direct platform for young people to display leadership, to actually get engaged in South African politics on their terms and defining who they are, what is important for them, then we'll always our interest of the voting block of young people. And in this case, when I say young people, I loosely refer to those who are between the ages of 45 and 18. So, so I just loosely refer to that voting block. So the interest of that voting block, no one is actually dealing with the interest of that voting block and the difficulties in a very complex society which is changing. So politicians might think that they are still relevant where Helen Zille is still very relevant today and for that youth block. She will remain dominant in, in politics of the country if that voting block does not do anything drastic. 
So for me, it's important to start stimulating that voting block by giving options, in fact, not options, by giving them the only option that they really have in the discourse of South African politics that makes sense, which will really trust the capabilities and skills of young people. Because I really believe that where we are as a country might not be as a consequence of ideological differences where we are. And it's really a consequence of lack of leadership and full appreciation of what the state should be crafted in and what it should do and how it should really advance and improve and intervene in the lives of South Africans. And I really believe that you need people who are untainted, people who still have not, you've not the government has not introduced a culture of behaving and, and beat them into a particular mode to act in. You need those types of minds to come into government and lead and do so. So, so that was important by my own experience to say, but what happens now? But in so doing, we need to be guided by a key set of values. So when you create an alternative, it can't be an action essay light or DA light. So what is the fundamental difference of, of our party? So the fundamental first difference is the name of the party. We said, but let's find the name. We can't be the Association of Democrats of South Africa. It can't be a thing like that. It must reflect one, who we are as indigenous people. And we said, we'll choose an indigenous name. We'll go for a Tsonga name and the, 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 the political party name will be Chiluba. So what is interesting with that name is it means uh, flowers. So Chiluba means flowers. And we've chosen to depict the brand, the logo of the brand by at the center of it, having a protein, a national flower, which is a Chiluba. And with hands at the bottom holding this beautiful flower of ours. And this national protea representative of, I mean, well known for being a robust flower that survives uh, felt fires and that representing our future. And the hands below is the people coming together, young people coming together to protect our future and be able to hand over to the next generation. Because the thing that ANC and many liberation parties have failed in is they never introduce young people to re-energize and to continue a new struggle. But it's the same people doing the same thing for multiple years and people who are economically and in fact, uh, who, 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 who cannot introduce anything new but to protect what they have. And to be in those circumstances when unfortunately I have hang, hang around with a number of them. I mean, they're always uh, think, talking about their best days uh, in the past and quoting uh, this politician, that politician. And I always get irritated. But <laughs> these are people agree, who are yeah. going to solve our contemporary <laughs> problems and deal with the future. And for them, their best days is the, is the past. So something. Yeah. <laughs> so with the formation of Shilu. And you as young people have got to, the the implication is to hang on to every word as Otatomkulu are <laughs> regaling you with stories about the past. <laughs> Absolutely, which does not make sense. And that really holds back the, the country in various other ways. Because we can define a South Africa where we really define our sense of nationhood and our national identity in a much more meaningful way. And that's why for us as a party, our key values is Ubuntu, family, community, and multiracialism. So, so we've said, but let's, let's think a bit about our commitment to non-racialism and multiracialism. What does it mean today? And what type of society is South Africa? by the way, and we believe that South Africa is a multicultural and multiracial society. Do we believe that that is something that in the foreseeable future will, will not exist? We don't believe so at all. And we also aren't committed to not seeing any race at all. 
race for us matters, and it's important for people to be able to identify in a man in a manner that works for them. So, so we believe in a multiracial society because in a multiracial society, the cultures of South Africa, the traditions of various groups in South Africa, still matters and will forever matter for us. And and when we speak about some of the key principles for us, we then speak about multilingualism. And if you reflect where we are as a country now, one of the key inhibitors of building a South African unique identity is the fact that an average black person speaks about uh, five languages and an average white person speaks only two languages. And how are we going to get, get to know each other and understanding each other and speak each other's languages? I mean, for me to even do this, why aren't we doing in the, this interview here, mixing between Afrikaans, Tosa, and a number of things? So we've almost accepted yeah. that the only way for us to engage as South Africans is to meet at the center, and the center will always be English and Westernized ideology. Yeah. And for us, it's not the case. Hmm. Well, I want to say congratulations, Mongani, because it is very difficult, even while our generations in the demographic that you have articulated, 18 to 45, are brave enough to say, this is our voice discursively. We are part of the conversation, leading it. We recognize your historically important role that you've played as older South Africans, but yes, where we have to define the challenges of our own lifetime and lead um, in schools, in universities, on campuses. And, you know, the youth wings of old reasserting their power in relation to the mother body or variations of that in new parties like your dynamic in action as a as a younger but senior leader uh, in relation to someone who has got stories from when they used to sell black like me uh, when you were not even born right so i totally totally get that and, and it's brave because of the following reason and we can't get everything discussed in one interview and i know that although you're going to be busy you'll grant us further opportunities at times live so we'll just spend a couple of minutes on these themes just to hit the themes and to demonstrate the thinking that you've done around them we can do deep dives later on over the next couple of months one of the biggest reasons why young persons or even older persons who recognize the weaknesses of our major parties don't form new parties, are several, as you know, better than me. Um, the first is speaking about the boring but important boring bits. Potential funders know the ANC is not the answer to the crises that it has sustained. And at the same time, I am shocked at how many donors would still ask people that have meetings with them to present an alternative model to the ANC, which former ANC elders are going to be part of your lineup when we have an unveiling on Catherine Street at a hotel? Have you called Trevor Manuel? Have you called so-and-so? Is Jay Naidu coming back? They ask those questions. And it's interesting because I've, I've had these off-the-record conversations with one or two persons, our age group, um, roughly speaking. I mean, you're younger than me, but our age groups. And they say to me, it's interesting how many donors will start off agreeing with the diagnostic that there's a serious problem with the government of the day. But when you start sketching an alternative political vehicle, they still recognize or fear that the psychopolitical hold on the electorate 
of brand ANC is such that they imagine that you've got to go and find the good men and women in the ANC that have given up on the current version of the ANC so that they're part of your leadership mix. Talk to me about how you are dealing with funding when that is part of very often what funders think need to happen in order to challenge the ANC. You're going to go and dust off a Trevor manual um, and how you are going to deal with this perception problem that even though South Africans understand life under the ANC for the millions of poor black people in particular is not great, that oddly they recognize that and then almost as if we suffer Stockholm syndrome, they still hesitate about new entrants into the market. Yeah. Look, I, I met only with one potential funder and, and that 20-minute uh, meeting for me was a clear indication that starting from a perspective of starting a party by first engaging funders, you are going to tie yourself in a lifelong, lifetime agreement and that removes your ability to be able to do what you need to do in the interest of the people when you get to a position of power. And from, from and we could not find each other, and I'm glad it happened in a very short space of time. And for me mm-hmm. and uh, with the team, it informed a decision that we must, pursue, we must launch a political vehicle without any agreements with anybody. And the only way we will survive is through the subscriptions and also direct donations of the working class whether it's 20 rand, 30 rand, that's the only way we can sustain and maintain our purity until we get to uh, a seat of power. So we are going to be able to have to come up with creative ways of campaigning without uh, uh, competing with ANC and et cetera, et cetera. So there's no way we also agree that we'll start a political party with famous so-and-so. It's not about those so-and-so, it's about young people with with agency and energy to try and do something and we believe will resonate well. So if there are funders who along the path, when we, as we have crystallized and clarified who we are, what we want to do without a, 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 an influence of a funder, because some are saying, but ish, we hear, but this thing of multiracialism, but Ubuntu sounds like a very soft concept. You, you are, we are because we are, I mean, how does that work? Um, so, so then you recognize that this is part of the problem where we are. So it's the same people enabling the same thing continuously. And when new entrants want to come in, they want to co-opt into their narrative. So people with money, for them, it's a game. Now we also have Bongani and in their mind, there's this grand thing will all work with the DA and form a grand coalition thing towards. And I look at this person and I think, you know, sometimes you can be an idiot and have money. And how can you be so removed to, to the plight of people in this country and most of young people to even suggest that go and be part of the very same thing you are trying to change? Yeah. So, 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 so for us, we said, no, this thing, we, we are young people. The only thing we have is our hopes and our time and our energy. Let's invest that. And our cause is a genuine one and we believe we resonate with people. And once we believe we've gotten out of the starting blocks as we are today, we're expecting that we've sown a seed that's going, that we are going to harvest a fire that's going to run throughout the entire country because there are many people who are like me and you who are saying, but what about us? Yeah. Okay. So that's the donation question. That's the first of the four practical elements to starting a new party I wanted us to hit thematically. The second out of the four I wanted us to hit thematically is you do need an initial bunch of volunteers. You need an initial set of people to start this new movement with. 
Tell the country who those folks are for you as you begin to conceptualize, because the most important thing is that you have to organize, you've got to be present, you've got to build structures, you've got to be out there in communities. And if you don't do that, you ultimately cannot translate a top-line message into votes when it comes to elections. So you need volunteers, you need hands, and you can't just be an individual articulating a big-picture vision. Absolutely, and and which speaks to the different route that we chose to opt for. At this stage, the, the party has uh, 10 members as we speak. So it's 10 members uh, led by Bongani Baloi and the chairperson is Klochi Moseki, uh, who, who now, okay, we've created this vehicle and we believe that South Africans will actually sign up and actually take ownership of the vehicle. Often what you see with new political parties being launched also get the sense that it's a recreation of so-and-so with this one from that and this one from that. And we don't want any of those ties. It's bad enough or worse enough that there's two former action SA people who are leading this. And it's important for us to complete our national executive to go through a process of recruiting and identifying people through output. And one of the fundamental things we've agreed to is that we need to stabilize South African politics. So ascending to a level of influence in, in Shilova must be linked to the output in government. So if you don't deliver in government, you can't lead the political party. So, so, so that's important because then we must introduce a new, uh, a new type of culture in politics that is not about popularity, being able to get a 1.2 billion rents donation from uh, funders to buy an election in, in a national conference, but it's solely about output in government. Now, what that means, we'll have people who are rushing uh, 120 kilometers per hour to implement change and be ruthless about it in government to be able to find prominence in the party, which is the culture we need to do a re-switch, a reset in South Africa. So we believe starting a vehicle with minimal people and, and a number of those uh, eight people are people who are just working behind and playing the support structure, which will then give enough confidence for young people to say, but I can equally, as a young person from Tanzania with just a junior degree, but I can actually become the secretary general of this party. I can become this in this party. And that's exactly the type of hope one just didn't. Second last question is a follow-up on that in terms of, you know, the second last theme I want us to hit in terms of putting together nuts and bolts of a new outfit. I listen to you with some admiration that you are an engaged citizen, particularly an engaged younger South African not being deferential to people over 45. And at the same time, I then think, okay, what are the parallel examples of others trying to do the same, whether it is Songhezo Zibi, Lukonanguni, uh, Tessa Dooms, the structure that they've set up, one closer to a political vehicle, the other civic work that they're doing, but they really sort of complement each other, or whether it's Musi Maimane is another example who tries to be an umbrella for non-traditional potential MPs working together as independents under a broad umbrella, not quite clearly defined, but we kind of have a sense of what it's about. Their numbers are higher in terms of volunteers, people involved, et cetera. And at the same time, there's this uncertainty. How much will you be able to get off the ground? Have people heard of, you know, um, your movement in Kunu, for example, if you are Musi? Um, and the same with what's happened with the Ravonia Circle. Uh, how much traction will you gain? And yet when you speak, you talk about a party that currently has 10 people, 
You have eschewed the constraints that come with donors secretly wanting to invest in you, in pretending that they will leave you alone in terms of your agency, but then really wanting to tell you what Ubuntu should be, to tell you why multiracialism makes them uncomfortable as opposed to non-racialism. And I just wonder whether you can then speak into this question. Do you have enough in place to be able to say, here's my goal for next year. This is where I'm going to compete. This is what success criteria look like. Yes, you see, where I'm going to have an office. If you interview me again in six months from now in Mangahung, I will also have one in the Northwest. Or is this a hundred year journey? Look, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a marathon. Uh, that we're embarking on. But uh, even when you start a marathon, you need to pace yourself really well to keep up with everybody else. So this party will contest uh, in, in the national government elections. We believe the, uh, there's enough uh, voting pool, uh, firstly, in the current voters' role, which does not go and vote. And the ANC puts this and says their voters decided because they don't trust anybody else, uh, they must fight, they rather, rather sit at home. So one, we must animate that voters' role to vote, to give people a reason to come out. Number two is to ensure that we enroll a lot of young people. So traditionally, politics looks at your structures of coordination and growing the party. For us, the structures of coordination will be simply for organizing, mobilizing, and registering new people onto the voters' role. We understand our limitations. We will not compete in any by-elections between now and the national government elections. Everything and anything we'll have will throw into the national government uh, elections as it comes. So for us, as we work it back, we have this vision. We're part of uh, those who are around the table when we're talking about the country. How do we get to that? So one of the most important things, I think, we've had the similar conversation about the DN action is say, is the, the suit of policies. So, so, so now our policies need to reflect our values. And the most immediate task for us is to get people uh, to build a policy unit to crystallize exactly that. We, we need in a matter of six months to be able to, have, to present a key set of ideas about how we're going to implement and what from a policy perspective differentiates us. But more equally, it's a party where we'll articulate the type of citizen that will, the choices the citizen will make in the next 10 years. So we, we, we choose to speak about two things that will be a material reality in 10 years time after we've been in national government. One, you'll be able to sleep without locking your door. Now, this speaks about the, so, the society and law enforcement and rule of law. The second part is that in 10 years' time, no citizen must choose on a Saturday afternoon to go and mobilize for a political party. That must not be a choice for citizens in 10 years later. A natural choice to, to, for citizens should be go and spend time with your family. You've been working the entire week. Saturday is a family day, you must do your watching, go to shopping malls, be with your children, be with your friends. So continue with your normal life and don't put maximum currency with the limited time you have to go and deposit to politics. But the citizen will have is one that's, uh, that doesn't show up to rallies, but shows up at the voting day. Because they mm -hmm. appreciate that now they are now stakeholders of this country and equal beneficiaries. Okay. Bongani, the final question you've begun to answer and like I said, this will be the basis for our next set of interviews. Um, animating the youth by convincing them of the importance of not becoming cynical and opting out of political 
processes and engaging democratic institutions is crucial to making sure that our next government is not elected on the basis of a small slice of the vote that managed to get itself to go and vote and then effectively having a legally legitimate government in place, but one that lacks moral authority because only 20% of the potential voting base actually bothered to go and vote for it, which is a real problem that we face that we didn't think we'd face in the 90s when we were the world's example of how to get incredible electoral turnouts um, in terms of voting numbers yeah. without voting being compulsory in the country. But that is the wish list of every opposition party at the moment. Everyone is saying, oh, yeah, no, our our tactic is going to be to make sure that the undecided voter votes for us and that young people um, are not cynical and that we tap the youth. What is your strategy for doing so? And why would your value proposition be one that is compelling to them compared to a Zaki Ahmad running as an independent Musi Maimane and everyone under his umbrella trying to do exactly the same. What When you say you've got to sharpen that message, what, what exactly will that look like, firstly, in terms of convincing them to participate? And then related to that, but a slightly different question, young people don't feel like they have a stake in our democracy, not just from process point of view, which is part one of the question, but also because they are jobless. If they not completing the trick, they alternatively manage to get a degree or some post-secondary education, but the economy sucks, joblessness is incredibly high, and you've got less than a year to demonstrate that you have well-thought-out, feasible ways to solve yeah. for problems that even economists have not managed to solve. Look, we, we absolutely have a number of ideas and strategies and tactics to animate young people, to get young people to realize that you can't mobilize and expect for change outside of politics. We need to mobilize within politics to ensure that we, we, we get young people in the chambers of power, in the legislatures, provincial legislatures and national assembly for young people to understand that they don't need anyone's permission. So, so what, what, the, what the body politics of South Africa has done, and I think the world over, it has created an impression that because the party can never use lead, you must go fight about SRC issues. And then only when you are 40, then you come in and you are told uh, to strike as a very young minister. And we, 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 we seek to, to change the type of narrative because mm -hmm. it's holding back the potential and making young people that they are, must wait. And the waiting is over. It's for us to now get into the fold ourselves. But equally, um, many generations have been voting for, for, for something. Vote for National Mandela, vote for, hey, let's keep the ANC out. So the messages have not been messages that says to young people like we do to young people, for the first time, vote for yourself. Nobody else but yourself, your future, and your hope. And, 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 and that's what we honestly are putting on the table to young people. But equally, we are saying to young people, it's not a vote against something. It's not a vote to punish someone. Vote for yourself. So that's very important because once we start doing that, we'll be able to, to get young people to vote and understand what they are doing, but to equally create them to ensure that young people can become equal stakeholders of the country. I but mean, just what about the second part of my question, Mangani? Because there's form and there's substance. Yeah. Right? The form is to say, you own your own destiny. Come into yes. the political arena. Be architects for change for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
because older people are going to die off and you're going to inherit a country that is deeply flawed. So get into the mix, learn how to do statecraft, learn how to be legislators, learn how to do committee work, all the things that politics is about. But at the end of the day, in addition to that, which I don't want to say the end of the day, because all of those things are important, but also in tandem with that, there are young people listening to you and me who want to work, who want to earn a living, who already yes. want to be able to sleep in a house without worrying about whether they'd lock the door. That speaks to signature policy ideas. And earlier in this conversation, you spoke about values more than about policy yes. ideas. When you spoke about Ubuntu, multiracialism, family, there was a fourth one, I forget. Um, but signature ideas are also going to be important as you persuade people to not just vote, but young people to vote specifically for you. Have you begun to think yeah. about those or are you hopeful that the processes that will unfold organically in your new party will get you there? A combination of both. There's some key signature ideas that we need to speak about. And the, the biggest one is saying if we take over the government, then what's the thing we'll do immediately to absorb young people? And, and that simply says, what type of role do we see the state playing? And the simple answer to that is that the state should and will play an increasing role in our daily lives until such a, a time that we've now normalized and moved away from the extremities of the current societies to a normal society. Because our society is not normal any longer. Things that are seen as abnormal are daily occurrences because the, the state itself has become a hollow state. And when you analyze a hollow state, it's quite interesting to see where a state fails the most is where in the private private sector, the, the highest growth of companies that have been growing in the private sectors speak directly to the inabilities of the state. Primary healthcare, education have been interesting to watch over the past 10 years. How when a state fails because of the middle class, then you have a kept audience, they can procure those goods and services as opposed to relying on government. Uh, look at Cura, look at Discovery. Very interesting uh, thing that we were speaking about just the other day. But because you've got a hollow state, that happens. But initially, the position of, of, the, of, 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 of the state and how we utilize the state as a vehicle will be a vehicle that absorbs most in the short term to try and remedy and cull what is going to happen to ensure that you've got sufficient time to deal with structures, make the structural policy matters to unlock that growth over a period of time. So it's a combination and others are going to get through a genuine process of engagement with young people and people who see things differently because the goal for us is to get young people to start earning a salary and, and contributing towards their pension as quickly as possible. Mogadi, mm. all the best. I think that in order to have a functioning democracy, it needs to be competitive. One of the interesting questions for political scientists and analysts is whether the almost oligopoly effect of EFFDA and ANC are going to be dislodged, but in a manner that is still conducive to coalition governments working. And that's a topic for another day. But another new entrance also means another potential negotiating partner around the table the morning after at The Rock, we get the final results. And it's gonna be really interesting to see where you end up, but um, well done on not deciding to just leave politics and to continue on a very difficult trajectory in a country where there's such obsession with brand ANC and with the main two opposition parties and starting your own vehicle. Thanks for making time for us. Thank you so much. Ours is to try. Whether we fail or not, we are going to try and give it our all.